Welcome to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. You can find us on Facebook by searching for the Book Bistro podcast. Once there, you can post to our timeline. You can also message us privately. If you want a more social interaction, you can join our Facebook listener group, which is pretty quiet at the moment, though we are looking at some ways of possibly revamping it. If Facebook is not your thing and you still would like to hang out with us, check us out on our WhatsApp group. You can subscribe to that either by messaging us through Facebook or by sending us an email, and one of us will be happy to add you. If you're looking to get a hold of us via email, you can do that by contacting the Book Bistro Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, I grew up both Southern and Pentecostal, so I do require the the book beastresses amen corner um, as I go through <laughs> as I go through my reads. <laughs> um, so, so this year has been a year of like a lot of like just a lot of change for me. Um, I moved, I got a new job, and I and so often with change comes stress. And far be it from me to be the kind of reader that when I'm stressed out, I can just like go and escape into a whole new, a whole different world for like 180 books and just not come out until I feel great again. Oh no, if I'm too stressed and feeling depressed or something along, along those lines, the first thing to go are books. And it is so frustrating because I could be a prolific reader. And yet here I am looking at my Goodreads shelf right now. And I'm just thinking, A, I don't update it regularly. And B, <laughs> um, and B, like, I feel like there's not a whole lot to show for myself, but, <laughs> but, we'll, but we will see. Um, I did not make any book goals this year because I didn't do any reading last year. And um, and I don't like having to do two different things when entering my books into Goodreads. Um, for it, in order for it to count, I just want to be able to hit something like once and I never remember to put my books in the to be read pile. So that's on me. <laughs> and so I decided that instead of working, working harder, I was going to work smarter and not put any goals in at all. And then that way I wouldn't feel horrible when I didn't make those goals when I didn't reach them. Um, and so far that has taken the pressure off of me has been really good. So um, I'm going to tell you a little bit about like what I've read, um, a little bit about where I'm at right now, and a little bit about where I'm going for 2023. Um, first, with my reading, with my reading, um, I distinctly remember because I have lots of associations with books, favorite books that I read, and they usually happen with like very significant times in my life. So I distinctly remember before going on an interview being like, hey, book beastresses, I want to read a book about people escaping from cults and about, and I also want like, um, 
oh gosh, what do you call it? Witness protection, where here, oh, yes. where people are in witness protection. And darned if Stacy did not just come up with the best thing of both the best series for both worlds. So, um, and got me out of my big book slump um, that was like a year long. So, You're and, thank you, thank you. <laughs> Um, so I read the Sons of the Survivalist series this year by Cerise, by Cerise Sinclair, and it was it was really great. The first book is about a um, is about a librarian who is uh, like on the run, basically. Um, and oh my gosh, and and witness protection. So sign me right on up. Um, and they were really really wonderful wonderful books. The fourth book is. Um, about someone who survived a cult. So that was literally the best of both worlds there. Um, and then I believe that she also suggested the Deep Ops, the first book in the Deep Ops series called Hidden by Hidden. Rebecca Zanetti. And that one also has someone on the run. <laughs> I'm sensing a theme here. <laughs> um. And then after that, when I was flying back from a second interview, I was reading, I read my first Yasmin Gallinorn book um, called The Silver Stag. And it's all about someone who is a, um, she is a like private detective and it's really, it was really, really great. And there's like 18,000 books in this series or at least 20. Um, So I'm woefully behind, (laughs) but but that was an excellent read and all about like the fake horror and just all of that delicious, delicious fae drama. Then I got into, um, I got into monster romances and I joined some monster romance reading Facebook groups because I really didn't have, I was like, well, what is this monster romance and what is this all about? And so what I, what I learned was that there's all kinds of tropes in monster romances, all kinds of all kinds of different appendages and all, all sorts of things. Um, so I read my first, my first monster romance book, um, which was also coincidentally, um, although I hate this term, my first reverse harem book. And I'm just going to start calling them, um, calling them polyamorous books because that's what they are. And so I read, um, I read some books by Catherine Moon um called Lola and the Millionaires parts one and two naturally because naturally I read this series out of order oh well um and Catherine Moon is also very is famous for writing a book called The Lady of Rooksgrave Manor um which is also a monster romance book um and then I read the book that comes before Lola and the Millionaires which is Baby and the Late Night Howlers and that was an absolute delight um, the characters were just so, so, so well writ- written. Um, sometimes I feel like, sometimes I feel like in these kinds of books that, that um, because there are so many like love interests that sometimes not everyone gets enough screen time or really gets to be a three-dimensional character and everybody in these books did. Um, after that, I, I went into Kindle Unlimited and found... Um, and found some very interesting books um, all about like, there was like a tentacle monster. Um, there was like an alien alien abduction. 
books where they like end up falling in love with each other, but they're like in a laboratory setting. Um, and those were, and those were just straight up like erotica. Um, then after that, um, I believe Stacy and Sarah and Natalia um, suggested to me um, the Edge of Collapse series by Kyla Stone. I read the first two books in that series. They yes. were absolutely fantastic, but I got so stressed out with the second book that I have not moved on to the third just yet, but they are so, so good. Um, and then I also found, and then that's when Facebook, my Facebook finally started giving me ads that I could not just ignore. So Facebook has started giving me ads about like romantic suspense that's in Kindle Unlimited. And I just could not say no. So I started reading um, Susan Stoker, um, Susan Stoker books, um, like fi Finding Elodie, which is like another book in her SEAL Hawaii Team 6 or her SEAL Team Hawaii series. Um, I read The King's Omega and Cook Mancer Online, um, which the uh, King's Omega is another kind of monster book. Um, and then I got into, I started um, finding out more about something called Literary RPG, um, which is basically like, basically like people getting sucked into video game worlds or it takes place in a video game world in general. And oh my gosh. So I started by trying to read The Wandering Inn, which is this really mammoth series. Um, very, very like long. 40 hours in audio. Yeah, it's, it's so long. And I stopped, I stopped in the middle to switch to something else and I will eventually switch back to it. Um, but let's see. Um, so, so I read the Cookmancer online series, our book. Um, which was basically about someone who got their character build messed up and they became like a cookmancer, which is basically like they summon ingredients in order to make things. So it's like being a chef, like a summoning oh. chef kind of. Um, and that one is, um, and that one is by Nara Vivaldi. Um, and then I got into um, Dungeon Crawler Carl by Matt Denman. And I thought the bear. What bear? Wait, wait, which bear? Oh, yes. Well, okay, we will back up just a tad. <laughs> <laughs> we will back up just a little bit. I'm so sorry I forgot about the bear. Um, I started reading this series called Stuff and Nonsense, which is all about a stuffed talking bear who has to help his charge, who is an eight-year-old girl, and keep her out of the clutches of bad people. And you see him grow more and more sentience. And he's kind of a terrible hero, but he's absolutely <laughs> delightful. Did you read that book, Shannon? No, I bought it, but I haven't read okay. it yet. It is so adorable. So you definitely need to read it. Um, and then Dungeon Crawler Carl. Um, I, read, I read it as an ebook. And it was really good. I liked it a lot. It was wonderful. And then someone said, you have to read the audio of it. And I'm not a big audio person, but I, I did get the audio of the book. And I reread the first book in audio, fell in love with it so much because it's done by a group called the Sound Booth Theater. And they have different voices and different like little sound things, different little things that they do to their voices. 
and it is absolutely fantastic. I am now on the fourth book that I'm reading by audio. Um, and I think that probably audio is probably going to be the way that I'm going to go with these lit RPG books from now on. Um, and where I'm at right now is that I have a giant to be read pile because Facebook keeps showing me more ads and I keep buying more stuff. And <laughs> you can tell what kind of phase I was in because there's, if you look in my Kindle, there's like this whole swath of just romantic suspense. And then there's like this whole swath of like, you know, 25 monster romances. And then there's like 25 game lit novels. So, so I definitely buy in bulk. I'm like, the, I'm like shopping at like book Costco, I guess. Um, and where I plan to go next year is that I really would like to um, at least keep better track of my books. I'm still not really going to put it, set a book goal um, for myself because like, I'm just, I, you know, I, I got a lot of things going on. So I just want to I just want to say if I read it, I read it and I'll at least try to keep better track that way. And I want to start rounding out some of these series that I've been reading. So I want to finish like series that I've been waiting to finish um, on a quote unquote rainy day. And it's been raining a lot in New York lately and I have still (laughs) not yet finished those series. But like I want to finish the Alice Worth series, for example. You have not finished Alice Worth? I have not. No. I, I was saving my it podcast. for a rainy day. <laughs> oh, but then you you can't read more. Okay, but hearts. did you did you did you finish the series? Did you even yes. finish the first? Oh, you didn't yes. tell me. Oh, well, Shannon and I will be arguing after the podcast is done. Um, <laughs> if she didn't tell me that she oh, was I ahead didn't. of me, bad Shannon. <laughs> um, yes, I finished it. And, and then like the deep ops series, I want to finish that. And I have, um, there's like a to be read challenge where like you try to pick a book out of your TBR pile and I have well over a thousand books in that pile. So I'd like to at least once a month, pick something out of that to read. That's just been like languishing for so long that I forgot why I initially bought it. Um, <laughs> and, um, And let's see. And finally, I just want, you know, I just want to, I want to find more, like, I want to find more genres that maybe I'm unfamiliar with to, um, to start reading. So like, I'd like to maybe read a thriller next year. I did buy a couple of thrillers, but I end read them. Um, (laughs) No, I'm not reading the one about the the Drano lady and not doing it. (laughs) (laughs) But um, so there's, you know, and there's like, I want to finish up like the Nalini Singh novels and there's like Becky Chambers has some books that I haven't gotten to yet. She's a whole new series I haven't read and I haven't finished like the initial one. And I, and, um, Kristen told me about the Michael Anderley series that, um, oh, I want like to read that too. And I'm really interested in maybe like finding some books that would be considered as like space opera to kind of see if I would like those. So I'd like to do more exploration with my reading, um, but I definitely am going to need like a certain amount of like a smooching ratio in order for me to keep going with the books. So, (laughs) um, so that's pretty much my plan. And just to also remember that sometimes life just gets a little crazy. And so it really is okay to like take a break and find some other media to kind of binge into for a while until I can get my reading mojo back.
I'm so glad you talked about the bear. (laughs) So I was looking at the list of books that I have read this past year, and I had a lot of trouble finding any sort of themes or figuring out what my favorite book was. I read a little bit of everything. I read about Ukrainian history, and I read romances, and I read the entirety of Becky Chambers' publications, which I strongly recommend. I'm typically not a fan of science fiction, but Becky Chambers is so awesome. I've loved everything she's written. Some things more than others, but I've loved it all. What I thought I would talk about, though, is audiobooks read by the author. Some authors should not read their own audiobooks, but no, no, they it's, it's not a problem for me because I just don't read those books. And some authors, I really like the trend right now where some authors aren't necessarily reading their whole book, but they're reading, say, the author's note or the preface. I really like that. Um, I like hearing their voice. I like hearing them read about their work, even if they're not a super smooth narrator. It just feels more connected. But I did read several books this year, and I have a few that are still in progress that are narrated by the authors and really benefit from that. I really, really loved it. So in no particular order, I'm going to tell you about those books. It's a wide variety. You'll get a sense for my uh, interests in reading, um, which, which span a surprisingly broad area. Um, I was a little startled when I put this list together. So a book that I really loved and which is one of my top reads for 2022 is Virology, Essays for the Living, the Dead, and the Small Things in Between by Joseph Osmondson. Joseph Osmondson is a microbiologist and a writer. He teaches and researches at a university in New York City. And while he has published books before, this is his first major publication. Quoting from the synopsis for the book, the author brings readers under the microscope to understand the structure and mechanics of viruses and to examine how viruses like HIV and COVID-19 have redefined daily life. 
this is an incredibly beautiful book. He has woven together journal entries that he kept uh, starting at the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic with poetry, quotes from other scientific researchers and philosophical theorists. And there are even some interviews in there. And with the audiobook, you actually get the audio of the interview. It's generally him being interviewed by one of his friends who works for some kind of media outlet. I cried so many times reading this book. I'm not sure if I would have cried as much if I had read it in text form. The author does a really beautiful job of laying his emotions bare. We really hear the, the desolation and isolation that happened when the COVID-19 lockdown started, when his friends and his partner were all losing their jobs, when he was trying to figure out what staying safe meant and trying to use his knowledge and his connection to other scientists to speed up the, the research, not necessarily into how to stop the virus, but into how to keep people safer and how to slow down or prevent transmission. He also talks a lot about his own experiences of life. We hear about what it was like to grow up as a young, gay, relatively femme child in a very poor family. We hear about his life as he grew, as he went to college, as he met people, made friends. We hear about the impact of losing his, the first friend he lost to death as a young adult. She died of flu complications. So there's some really sad stuff. There's also some really happy stuff. There is a lot of love in his friend groups. There's shared meals when he and his friends figure out how to create a pod that will keep them somewhat safer even as COVID-19 rages around the city. I could go on and on. It's just a really beautiful book. And the author is really a, an excellent performer. He knows how to read his work. He knows how to express his work. 
So I'll finish up talking about this book by reading a couple of sentences from the synopsis. This dazzling multidisciplinary collection offers novel insights on illness, sex, and collective responsibility. Virology is a critical warning, a necessary reflection, and a call to a better future. Earlier this year, I also read All Boys Aren't Blue by George M. Johnson. And this is a young adult memoir. And it's about the trials and triumphs that he encountered being a young black queer boy. And he's written it to help other young black queer boys. This memoir takes us through his boyhood, his adolescence, and his college days. And it's a really lovely book. And again, having him read it, I could really feel the emotion of the book. The sadness, the frustration, the hurt, and the love. He writes a lot about his grandmother who played a really pivotal role in his life. Yeah, she played a pivotal role in the lives of all of the young people in his family, actually. Uh, hers was the house that everyone flocked to. And I think it speaks to how well this book was written and how well it was narrated that even though this book was not written for me, I am a 40-something white woman, it still moved me and I still learned from it and I still felt the, I felt the love coming through it. As I think, I think the author wrote this because he loves the people that he wants to read it. It's not an easy book to read. There's bullying, there is childhood sexual abuse. But as I said, there's also love and there's self-discovery and there's fun and there's silliness and there's misbehaving the way people should do when they're trying to figure things out for themselves. This book is best summed up by this list of topics that the synopsis pulls together that it covers gender identity, sexuality, structured marginalization, toxic masculinity, brotherhood, family, and black joy. For a change of pace, I will talk about some fiction. The Sentence by Louise Erdrich. This so totally deserves the place that it has landed on so many bestseller lists. 
like a lot of Erdrich's work, it is sweeping and epic, has some paranormal and sort of unreal feeling elements to it while being firmly entrenched in reality. So this is the story of a family living in Minneapolis in the year 2020. Our narrator works at a bookstore, which, and this is very, very meta, the bookstore is the store that Louise Erdrich owns in real life in Minneapolis called Birch Bark Books and Arts. That's a bit of a mouthful. So it's it's kind of a funny thing that this fictional character works at this real life bookstore. So we are we are in real life 2020, which means that the COVID pandemic hits. We actually get to watch what happens as a bookstore starts to figure out how to stay open even though no customers can come into the store. We also have a former customer who is haunting the store as a ghost, but not everyone can perceive her there. So it's a little bit of a question, is she a ghost or is she some sort of manifestation only apparent to the narrator. So there are all sorts of threads in this book. I really couldn't even begin to tell you how they all weave together. The pandemic is one thread. Living in Minneapolis during and after George Floyd's killing is another thread. Family is another thread. Indigenous and family history is another thread. A loved one getting sick and going into the hospital is another thread. If you had a loved one get sick and be hospitalized during COVID, this will be a hard book to read because there are some really, really, really heart-wrenching moments of not knowing what was going to happen, of the deep isolation of having a loved one in hospital and not being able to visit, it was really, really gut-wrenching. And yet, it wasn't the whole of the book, and it didn't make me love the book any less. I love Louise Erdrich's reading, it is 
expressive, but also oddly gentle. I feel like she's reading me a bedtime story, even when the content is not anything that I would want in any bedtime story I ever read. I don't know how to describe it other than that. Moving on to another nonfiction book, Rise Up, How You Can Join the Fight Against White Supremacy by Crystal Marie Fleming. Dr. Fleming is an educator, a researcher, a lecturer, and she's written this book for young people to explain what white supremacy is, what racism is, what the history of racist attitudes and beliefs and actions is in the United States and elsewhere. She does a really great job of pulling so much history together and explaining difficult concepts in a way that makes it all make sense. I think this is a book that adults can read. It is short, maybe five or six hours in audio. It is very clear, broken up into pieces. You can read it one chapter at a time. It does not talk down to the reader. It assumes that the reader is a young person. So there are references to schooling and teachers and family and to being a young person. But that doesn't overwhelm the content. As I said, the content itself is really something that people of all ages can and should take in. The author is very clear in her reading. I would have loved to have had her as a college lecturer. She organizes her thoughts well. She has a good sense of how fast to speak, when to pause. And it just really feels like a supportive learning environment when I listen to her. The last two books I will talk about, since I can't come up with a better segue than that, are a nonfiction and fiction book that I am still reading, haven't finished them. I'm hoping to finish both of them by the end of 2022. The first is An Immense World, How Animal Senses Reveal the Hidden Realms Around Us by Ed Yong. Ed Yong is a journalist and he wrote this book as a break from the intense and in-depth reporting he was doing on COVID-19. I'm detecting a theme in the reading that I did this year without really realizing it. 
So this is a book about animal senses. And Ed Young is very clear at the beginning that he is not writing about animal senses as compared to human senses. There is no comparison, he says. The world that different types of animals live in is a completely different world than the world humans live in. The kinds of senses that animals have and the ways they use them and the reasons they use them are often very, very different. There are parallels, of course, but it's not fair to humans or to animals to talk about animal senses related to humans. It's not fair to compare how well a dog smells to how well a human smells. Our smelling apparatus is different from the canine smelling apparatus. The reasons that we smell, the reasons that we sniff are different from the reasons that dogs sniff. It's not fair to say that elephants can hear five times as well as, oh, I don't remember the comparison he gave, but let's say mice. Does five times well mean that they can hear five times as broad a frequency or that they can hear a certain frequency five times as well, or that they can hear a certain frequency at five times the volume or five times less volume and on and on and on. So this is a really neat book. It talks about the ways that various animals feel through their skin, through their whiskers, the ways that they feel vibrations through their feet rather than hearing them, all sorts of stuff. But what does make this book really special is the expression the author uses as he reads. We hear him laugh as he details a funny experience that he had in a research lab. We feel his wonder as he observes a phenomenon that he's never observed before. And so on and so on. It makes it really come alive. I feel like I'm at story time with him. Like I've gone to the library or a particularly fun college lecture. But I also feel like he's teaching me stuff. Maybe it's stuff that I could learn elsewhere, but I like the way that he has pulled it together and the way that he tells it. So I'm still working through that book. I'm probably about halfway through. Another book that I'm not quite so far along in is called The Sign for Home by Blair Fell. It came out earlier this year. And I was really excited when I saw this book was coming out. 
it is about a deafblind man who is in his early 20s. And he is living with his uncle. And his uncle has guardianship over him. I haven't quite learned how that happened. But I'm guessing that this young man was not given the tools or the access to vocational rehabilitation services to enable him to make his own decisions and run his own life. His uncle is also very deeply involved in the Jehovah's Witness Church. So Arlo, this young man, it dominates Arlo's life, both religiously and socially. But Arlo's life is about to open up because he needs to hire a second interpreter in order to take a college class. Interpreters generally switch off every 20 minutes when they are doing a long interpreting assignment. And Arlo starts to take a little bit of agency, making the decision about which interpreter he wants to hire. And I'm getting the sense that he's going to learn a little bit more about how to take agency because this new interpreter is seemingly going to stir some stuff up in Arlo's life. So we hear alternating chapters from the interpreter whose name I don't remember right now. I should have taken my notes and done my research a little bit better. So you'll just have to trust me that the interpreter exists and does have a name. So we get alternating chapters from the interpreter's perspective and from Arlo's perspective. Curiously, the interpreter's chapters are told from the first person. Arlo's chapters are told from the second person. He refers to himself as you, describing his own experiences, thoughts, and perceptions in the second person. This book is narrated by the author excellently. His voice is very pleasant to listen to. He has a good pacing and expression. He does different voices really well without overdoing the acting. And I get a sense for emotion Again, without the overacting that sometimes happens when expressing emotions. As I think about it, it's not really surprising that the author is an excellent narrator. He has worked as an ASL interpreter for 
over three decades. And one of the jobs of an ASL interpreter is to voice for the deaf person if they're unable to or prefer not to voice for themselves. And I say voice rather than speak because all he is doing is voicing what the deaf person is saying through sign. So in voicing, he has had a lot of public speaking experience and a lot of experience expressing the grammar and emotion of ASL, turning that into the grammar of English and the emotion and expression of the spoken word. So I was really excited about this book. I'm really excited to read it. It's hard to read. There are experiences in this book that are not directly parallel to my own experiences as a blind and hard of hearing person, but have really strong resonance with those experiences. So I think it's a great book to read if you're interested in disability experience. And what I'm getting the sense is fairly accurate on point disability representation, maybe with a little bit of license taken with some small details, but not with the big details that matter. And it's also a book to read about, read if you like really good fiction and want to learn about life of people who live differently than you do. And I don't just mean the deaf blindness, but the life in a Jehovah's Witness Church, the life of an ASL interpreter, the life of a gay, uh, gay male ASL interpreter, just all kinds of really interesting things intersecting in this book. So again, that was The Sign for Home by Blair Fell. And to wrap this up, I will tell you about one totally unrelated book, unrelated to anything that I've talked about, I should say, you Made a Fool of Death with Your Beauty by Akweke Imizi. This is a really, really beautiful book. I've seen really divided reviews on it. It is deeply moving. I read it, even though it's technically a romance, I read it as a literary fiction book with a strong romantic element throughout the whole book. I'm not going to tell you what it's about. You can go read the synopsis, but there's really, really lush description of a Caribbean island. There's beautiful description of food. There is some very, very steamy time in some pretty unusual spaces. 
And there is what one of the characters called the most bisexual conversation ever. And of course, this book is read by the incomparable, incomparable Bonnie Turpin. Oh. So you really can't go wrong. Bonnie Turpin. So this year I did a lot of reading of things that have brought me a lot of joy. I've just said a lot twice in one sentence. So um, that's awesome. And I, you know, I found some slow burn things. I read um, The Spanish Love Deception by Elena Armas. And that book to me was just a perfect, perfect five-star read. The slow burn was impeccable. It was enemies to lovers. It was all the things that I love. And then I also read earlier this year, All Roads Lead Here by Mariana Zapata, which again was just this perfectly gorgeous I really love a good slow building, a slow burn romance where it takes the, the main characters a really long time to A, like each other and B, to actually, you know, kind of find that sexual chemistry. And this, you know, Mariana Zapata, as any of my romance friends probably know, is the queen of the slow burn. And this book was no exception. So those were kind of like a great way to start out the beginning of the year. Um, so, and then I spent two months diving down this really, for me, very different rabbit hole. So it started with, um, as Mika mentioned, the Sons of the Survivalist series by Sharice Sinclair. And I binged these books in like no time flat. Like I loved them. I love that they were romantic suspense. I loved the found family element. I love the author's writing style. And that led me to both of her um, erotic series, her erotica series. Um, so um, her Masters of the Shadowlands, um, Master of the Shadowlands, I'm sorry, and um, Mountain Masters and Haven, And I just like binged all of those. I was like, oh my God, like I've been missing this my entire life. I had no idea. And I really enjoyed that so much that then it led me to Lexi Blake. And I spent probably, probably close to six weeks doing nothing in the whole world, but binging all of the Lexi Blake that I could get my hand on my hands on her masters and mercenary series was just everything to me. Um, it's erotica with a lot of plot. It's romantic suspense. Um, it's some BDSM. That's the same with the Sharice Sinclair. So just, you know, in case you want a content warning, that's your content warning. Um, and it just really kind of broadened both these authors kind of broadened my sort of romance reading horizons this year, which I'm always happy when that happens for me. Um, a few amazing contemporary romances that I've read this year. And I've read so, 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 so many. I can't even tell you. But um, some of the ones that were kind of notable for me. Um, actually, before I get to my contemporaries, I'm going to talk about something that I've been looking for a lot. And I found three really good books this year that sort of portray this. And that's um, body positivity, um, particularly in the romance genre. And I feel like in the past romance has been um, very thin, athletic people who are very beautiful, who find love. And, you know, for me, like, I love that. Like, I obviously, like, I love reading the romance genre, but, you know, I've been looking for things that are more body positive and um, support a more plus size aesthetic. And so this year I found a book by Taj McCoy and it was um, Savvy Sheldon Feels Good as Hell. 
And this book was so much everything. It was about a woman who learns how to be comfortable in her body on her terms. It was a great romance. And oh my God, the food in this book, friends, the food, the food. So amazing. Like, I think the food parts in this book were almost as good as like the romance parts. They were very sexy and amazing. Um, I also actually just today, I just finished um, Olivia Dade's most recent book, Shipwrecked. And this book, it was so good. And it really focused on body positivity and fat representation and, you know, not compromising, not being like, okay, I was hired to do this one thing, but now you want me to be thin. So I'm going to compromise, you know, who I am to make that happen for you. Um, And it was a very powerful read. I felt specifically because of the way the heroine dealt with um, fat shaming and some other things that she had to sort of navigate um, in her life. That was, but all Olivia Dade's books have some focus on body positivity, in my opinion, but this one, because I just finished it, it's the third in her, um, spoiler alert series. And I'm kind of thinking it's the end of the trilogy. I'm thinking it's going to be a trilogy. I know I'm very sad. Um, And then I also read um, the accidental pinup by Danielle Jackson. And um, yes, I did. I read it a long time ago and I loved it. And I just pulled it up on Goodreads because I wanted to make sure I had the author's name correct. And shockingly, but not shockingly, this book got barely over three stars on Goodreads because on Goodreads mm. because people are jerks, and um, there are reasons that I feel this this um, this book got lower ratings, and they're stupid. So um, this book was everything. It was about a plus sized photographer who also um, has designed um, a line of um, sexy lingerie for plus sized bodies. And she, her best friend is about to launch a new line and her complicated pregnancy means that she can't, no, I'm sorry. She's about to launch her new line and her friend's complicated pregnancy means she can't model some of the, uh, the stuff that she was supposed to, that the lingerie. So instead of being behind the camera, this photographer is going to be in front of the camera modeling the lingerie for this new line. But, you know, unfortunately for her, the photographer that's hired to do this shoot is her nemesis. And I love this book a lot. It really um, sort of normalizes um, a fat woman who can still wear sexy lingerie. And, you know, it's a lot also about like um, it has some, it's just, it's, it's a fabulous, fabulous book that I, I just feel has not gotten enough love this year. So if you want to read something that really, beautifully promotes found family and body positivity and enemies to lovers. You have to pick up the accidental accidental pinup by Danielle Jackson. Um, It was really one of my top reads this year. So shame on all the people who only rated it like three stars because what the hell were they thinking? (laughs) Um, So, you know, I'm always looking for books that have some sort of positive disability representation. And I feel like there's been a bit of a drought this year with those. But the one book um, that stands out for me is um, Two Wrongs Make a Right by Chloe Lease. And I love it because um, the the author is an own voices author. And so she writes um, within her experiences as a neurodivergent person. And so I like that that is quite a lot of, um, there's emphasis on that in her books, but there's also other disabilities that are always represented in a very um, caring and um, 
realistic way that sort of, um, yes, the person does have a disability, but it's not the focus of the story. It's just part of who that person is. So if you like enemies to lovers, if, I know I love her too. This book, if you haven't read it yet, Shannon, you have to. Um, if you like fake dating, if you like enemies to lovers, if you like just a million amazing things, you just, you have to pick up Chloe Lee's in general. But I think, you know, if you like these two tropes in romance, you would like two wrongs make a right. And like I said, it also has some very, very positive disability representation, which to me can never be emphasized enough. Um, a few contemporary romances that I love this year that really um, kind of set the bar pretty high um, were both Things We Never Got Over and Maggie Moves On by Lucy Score, who is like my favorite goddess of sort of, yeah, romantic comedy, but also sort of just contemporary romance. She writes these books that make you laugh until you cry, but then also are surprisingly deep and touch on things that I think a lot of us can relate to. And both of these books really did that for me. Um, I'm really happy for just, she's been successful for several years, but this year I just sort of feel like was just sort of put her in a whole new stratosphere of awesome. Um, and so I'm looking forward to seeing what she has in store for us in 2023. Um, Thank You for Listening by Julia Whalen was an absolutely amazing book, both because it was well-written um, and romantic, but also because it is about, it is written by an audiobook narrator and is about an audiobook narrator who is sort of tired of, you know, just sort of feeling kind of burned out, but she's asked to read this romance for um, an author that she had read several for. And it's all about her struggle with how to sort of you know, understand the romance genre again and define romance when she's sort of like this jaded sort of cynical person. Um, and one of the things I love best about this book is her relationship with her grandmother. Um, it was uh, very deep and very beautiful. Her grandmother had some lovely, 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 lovely friends in this book um, that um, also kind of, you know, made this story so enhanced it so much. Um, you know, and it touched on some pretty deep, deep topics with caregiving and old age. Um, it touched on just, you know, the romance that, that our main character is experiencing and just some other things that she has to go through in order to find a happily ever after. And being told by Julia Whalen, who's a wonderful storyteller, but also an amazing narrator, it just was a huge bonus. So um, reading that one, I would say, um, I would encourage you to read it in audio if you can, um, because it really kind of enhanced the experience. Um, I think my perfect, like I, I tend to be pretty generous with my five-star ratings um, on, you know, when I'm, when I'm reviewing a book, um, if, if the story sweeps me up, if I, if I, you know, love it, if it's all I think about, if I just have to finish it, I'm going to give it five stars because that's who I am. But then I read a book this year that I could have given like 10 stars to, and that was Book Lovers by Emily Henry. Um, that book was just really, really special to me. It made me cry a lot. It made me laugh. It was enemies to lovers. It was a romance for book lovers about books, um, which to me is always really special when an author, you know, weaves into the story like a love of books, which I always think is amazing. Um, it was about sisters. It was about family. It was, you know, um, a romance where sort of New York City felt like a character. It just, um, it was just a really, really, really lovely book um, that I think most romance readers would really, really love. 
I only read um, a few historical fiction titles this year, um, which is surprising for me. I usually kind of go down the sort of historical fiction rabbit hole for a while every year. But this year I was just really into happily ever afters. And um, I just sort of felt like my stress levels were high and I didn't want to read a lot of really intense books. But I did read The Woman at the Front by Leisha Cornwall. And I really, really enjoyed it quite a lot. Um, it takes place during World War I. It's about a young woman who um, went to medical school, but then is being told by the male colleagues in her profession that, you know, young women doctors should not be at the front during World War I. It's, it's too stressful for them. They could have the, a fit of the vapors. It's not appropriate for them to be looking at like men's genitalia, like, or men's naked bodies, like at the, at the battlefield at the front. And our heroine goes in and sort of like figures out a way around all of the strictures so that she can go and be a doctor at the front. And I really, I enjoyed the history of it. I enjoyed the story. There was some romance in it. Um, but to me, just kind of reading about that time period in history where, where women were trying to break out of a very specific mold they've been put in for, you know, century upon century, I thought it was a really, really well done book. Um, so then I kind of, uh, read some things this year that were a little bit different for me. And I will say that one of the things, you know, Mika kind of touched on monster romance and I discovered um, a book called the lady and the orc by Finley Fenn. And that book is, um, I will tell you, it's pretty sexually explicit. So if that's not your thing, then that's cool. But um, this book was very well written. Um, it was quite erotic. Um, there was some really amazing groveling that happened in this book and some character development. And I think what kind of put this book over the top for me was the way it was read in audio by um, voice actor and narrator Shane East. Like I have never in the history of my life, um, I, I'm blind. I've read audiobooks my entire life. I've never in my life thought, oh my God, this narrator is so hot right now. Like I can't even stand it. So I think this would have been a five-star read for me anyway, but, but the way the book was read in audio kind of took it to about a 10 for me. And it was just a great story and the beginning of a really fabulous series. Um, then I also discovered this year um, an author's debut novel as an adult debut novel, I should say. Um, and that's The Dead Romantics by Ashley Poston. And this book was great. It was enemies to lovers. It was, you know, complicated family dynamics. Um, it was a woman struggling with her profession. Could she continue doing what she'd been doing? There were ghosts. It was just, it was kind of everything um, takes place like in a funeral home, you know, I mean, in the South, it was very quirky and very charming. Um, and I think everyone should read it. Um, but then I would say the book that was the most astonishing and the most surprising to me this year was The Undertaking of Heart and Mercy by Megan Bannon. And I think again, and someone can correct me if I'm wrong, I think this was her, also her adult debut. I think the other right. books that she's written, okay, good. Um, the other books that she's written were young adult. And this book, first of all, I love many tropes. I love um, enemies to lovers and fake dating and um, like tortured hero and bad boy romance. I love many of those things. But the thing that I love above all others is a well-done epistolary novel. So where a lot of the novel yeah. is told through letters um, where people can kind of be vulnerable. And a lot of times in these epistolary novels, um, the thing that I find most intriguing is when it's um, a book where the people who are writing the letters back and forth to each other don't realize who they are in real life. Um, and so they form this connection on paper. In this case, it's on paper, where in real life they are like 
enemies times 55. So it kind of has that sort of like you've got male vibe and that they really like each other as they're falling in love through their writing. But, you know, in real life, they hate each other. And this book is um, it's a fantasy romance. It takes place um, in this world that is a lot like Earth, but isn't quite Earth. And it's about these two people. Um, The woman is trying to run um, her family's um, undertaking business. And the man is this lonely sort of like ranger who's out um, in sort of like the wildlands trying to keep this area safe. And they clash at every turn in real life. And then they express vulnerability to each other in letters that the, the guy in the book starts writing to a friend. And it's just so lovely and gorgeous. And oh, it made me cry, made me feel all the feels and just, oh my gosh, give me a good epistolary novel any day of the week and I will be happy forever. Um, Every once in a while, I have to kind of deviate from happily ever after and romance. And I have to read a good zombie novel because, you know, why, why not? And I have to say in 2021, I read several really, really good zombie novels. I read, um, and just post-apocalyptic books in general, like we talked about, you know, um, Mika mentioned Kyla Stone. I read her last year and I, you know, Sarah Lyons Fleming, I'm up to date with her stuff. But this year I sort of felt like there was like a dearth of um, well-written post-apocalyptic novels. And I also look for post-apocalyptic fiction written by women um, because I think that um, sometimes male authors don't accurately portray women in this genre. They're kind of like Barbie doll, sort of like um, video game heroines and they make me feel uncomfortable. But just about a month ago, I discovered um, Adrienne Lecter. I've read some of her Greenfield series, but she just put out a new series earlier this year. The first two books are out now. The third book will be out probably, I think it's out like December 13th-ish. It's like next week. I can't wait. Um, sometime in December. Don't quote me on the date. I don't have it in front of me, but she has started. The 23rd. Oh, is it the 20th? Oh, that's right. It's right before. Yes. So the 23rd is when her third book comes out, but this is the World of Anthrax series by Adrian Lecter. And this book is high octane action, nonstop. There is no downtime for this poor woman. I mean, she is like on the run. She's sick. Then there's zombies and there's like people out to get her and she's trying to find a safe haven. And it's just about basically, it's another story about how um, a group of survivors tries to deal with the end of the world as they know it. And I thought it was exceptionally well done. Um, this, this heroine is very complex. Um, we're only just now getting to know some of the depths that she's kept hidden from us from um, during the first two books. And so it's, it's been very interesting to kind of peel back her layers and see that she's actually not really the bright, bouncy, like, you know, perfect little college girl that's presented in book one. Um, she's actually something quite a bit darker and more interesting. So it's going to be an interesting series for me to keep pursuing. Um, I always have to talk about holiday rom- romances. We, we just did that episode. So I will just briefly mention my two standouts this year were The Plight Before Christmas by Kate Stewart. Um, this one was especially good narrated in audio. It was, um, duet style narration and both narrators did an exceptional job with this book. Um, it has everything that I love about a holiday romance or all the things that make you laugh and swoon and feel a little sappy, but I feel like it had a deeper story, um, than some of the holiday romances out there. So I had to add it. Um, and then, you know, Kristen mentioned, um, Claire Kingsley with her Bailey brothers series and this book. Um, the Grump Who Saved Christmas is a sort of spinoff of that and takes place in the town of Tillicum where the Bailey Brothers books take place. And it was just 
everything gorgeous and fabulous, fabulous with the grumpy sunshine dynamic and, you know, um, a small town farm that needs saving and just a second chance romance. It's many, many beautiful things. Um, and then just, you know, briefly to kind of wrap up everything for 2023, there's just a couple series that, um, I want to continue following, of course, Jarrah Ward's Black Dagger Brotherhood series. Duh. If you've like ever listened to me talk on the podcast for more than like one episode, you know, she's my favorite. <laughs> and like, I'm especially excited for the book that's coming out in 2023, Lassiter, but just in general, yes. like, I know, like, I love her books so much. They make me happy. Um, I've been following her since 2009, reading her books and she was my gateway to everything paranormal. So she is like my favorite. Um, boarding school book coming out in 2023. I think in 2023 actually like in the summer maybe I could be Yay. wrong but that's what I thought she said I know um and then of course Naima Simone's Rose Ben series I'm really excited to keep following that is like oh, yeah I know I know Kristen and I have like bonded over Rose Bend and so many others but um um that one to me is very very special if you want a good small town contemporary romance series um you need to pick this one up. I think the first one's called Road to Rosebend. And is. the books are just really delightful and fabulous and, and touch on things that I sort of feel like are important for people to have in their consciousness today, but do it in a way that doesn't feel, you know, preachy or doesn't kind of take over the, the story arc of the book. Um, she's just a very, very, very gifted author. She um, really is. Her newest really, series is, is amazing too. The Burned Ink. The Burned Ink. Yeah, I, I need to yeah. catch up on those. I haven't, I'm a little behind. There's just, there's um, just two of them right now. So you're not far, but yep. it, that one's really well. And her diversity is, is still just as good in that one. She's just so lovely. She um, is. And then as Kristen mentioned, um, I discovered Stacey Reynolds this year and her O'Brien series. And <sighs> I have to say um, they're a little, um, they have some sort of like sappier elements that I'm usually comfortable with, but the stories are just so lovely and interesting and they tell such intriguing stories I couldn't put them down um the first one is Raven of the Sea if you want to get started the one Kristen was talking about earlier is a lantern in the dark or darkness lantern in the I don't know lantern that's book two dark. lantern yeah. in the dark um mm -hmm. but they start with Raven of the Sea and they're just lovely about this big family and all these different people they kind of bring into the fold and there's lots about music and just really interesting things about Ireland and just I don't even know like it's it's a really great series as well um and then, because I haven't talked about any historical romance this year, my like favorite, favorite historical romance series right now is The Palace of Robes by Julianne Long. Um, I cannot get enough of these books. I already told Shannon I want the one that's coming out next July for <laughs> July picks. <laughs> um, like, I just, I really love them. I love, um, it's, it's a wonderful series. It has a lot of found family in it and just, you know, not caring about class differences and things like that, that during um, the sort of um regency era of um london historical romance is often quite present and, and in this place um in this boarding house by the thames um it's not you know class differences and things like that are not seen and it's just this beautiful lovely found family thing um and that is kind of all i have like this year i i kind of want next year the one thing i'm really sad about is that i really didn't find um, and I know I have things to catch up on Shannon and Kristen and Mika in urban <laughs> fantasy, but I, I didn't find an urban fantasy series to really get lost mm. in this year. Um, I usually like my urban fantasy to feel a little dark. Um, I, I like my anti-heroes a lot in dark uh, or in urban fantasy. 
Um, so I'm hoping I can sort of find some things to get me out of my urban fantasy drought. That's kind of Don't my goal worry, for we'll next find year. Something for you. I know you, you have will, to help me. Will. You have to help yeah. me, but you I know, didn't I've really just, do much urban fantasy this year either. Like I it, know, it, isn't it just, sad? It is. <laughs> there's nothing like, you know, like I think there's some great urban fantasy series in process right now, but like for mm-hmm. me, there's nothing I love more than like diving into like a completed urban fantasy series and just like binging it in like a couple days yes. and just like getting so deep that you can't do anything else, but like binge a good urban fantasy. So that's what I'm, that's my hope for next year. And just to keep following all these amazing series and to, you know, continue. I know Alice Worth, I hear you. I hear you. I will read her. And I just can, <laughs> yeah. And I just want to continue to kind of broaden my reading horizons for next year. So that's kind of where I'm at this year. All right. If you would like to leave us a rating or a review, you can do that on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that you use to access the show. Not only does it tell us what you think, but it also helps other people find us when they're looking for book-related podcasts. Um, It kind of advances us in the Google algorithm. So I will be back next Tuesday morning with an author interview and, of course, the guide to new releases. And some number of us will be back on Friday with more bookish greatness. Take care, everybody.